All right, now it is time for our guest segment. We have the one and only Sean Colin Young. Hello. Hey, is this Dustin? It is. Is this Sean? Hey, how's it going? It's going well, man. How are you? Hey, I got another day. I did something right. Hey, yeah. there you go. Hey, that's how we feel. Hey, listen, man, first of all, thanks for joining us today. I mean, I know it's the crazy Thanksgiving holiday week and everything. Probably got a lot going on, but we really appreciate you coming and talking to us, man. Yeah, seriously. Oh, please. I appreciate you guys having me. I mean, I'm honestly so impressed that you guys do what you do because it's so hard to like get people to show up and to talk and like get this thing published and all of those things. And so I just really want you guys to know, I, I really appreciate it. Well, thank wow. you, man. Thank I you mean, for that's saying a great that. compliment and we appreciate that. Uh, yeah, no uh, problem. Listen, I am, I am really excited to talk to you today. Um, your story is, uh, one that I think is important to get out there. Um, reading your background and doing our research on you. And uh, I just want to come right out of the gate. Thank you for all the kind words you just said about us. And I'm going to say something. Um, I read Radioactive, and wow, uh, that was an impressive piece of writing. And we're going to get into it about what it's about. But um, I'm going to make sure that we post and share that with as many people as we possibly can. Definitely. Um, Please do. I think I think that that the way you wrote it, and, and because the, the the subject matter itself is difficult, but the way you wrote it and, and the passion in which you can clearly tell you wrote it with um, is just phenomenal, man. And I, I can't I can't tell you enough how how moving it was. It's really heartfelt too. Yeah, just yeah, really good. Yeah, and um, so yeah, we're really excited to kind of to kind of get in and talk about the movie and and, and talk about what you got going on. Um, first Thanks. though, I really appreciate that, guys. Oh yeah, no problem at all. And uh, first, how we kind of do it? It's a very uh, round the table kind of a discussion, more so than a Q and A. Um, and you got myself and Logan here, along with Tavia, Emily, and Chris. Um. Logan, Tavia, Emily, and Chris. Yes. What's up? <laughs> hey. We get crazy inside this farm. You know, it, it, an ant farm's no good with one ant, man. You know, you got to have a bunch of them. This so. is true. This is true. Uh, um, so what we kind of do first is just kind of, for all of our listeners, just kind of uh, do a little intro about, tell us basically about how you kind of got started in the industry and, you know, a little bit early on about, you know, some of the stuff that you, um, you know, you worked on and, and was it something you always wanted to do? And, and like I said, the story itself is just amazing. So I definitely want the listeners to hear that. And then we just kind of go from there, man. We'll talk about your projects and we'll definitely get into the heart baby movie and, um, a lot of the cool. stuff that you got going on you right guys, now. Do you guys want to have a link to the film so you can actually see it? Oh my gosh! Yeah, that, that would be amazing. Brilliant. This would be like top secret, super sneak peek. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We would just pretend that we you like were like secret. at the New York premiere or something. Well, oh, li- <laughs> listen, man, listen. I want to tell you real yeah, quick before we get started that. with speaking of the New York premiere, uh, a really good friend of ours and an, uh, a former uh, guest on the show and a, a fellow actor of yours, um, Clint James, saw the premiere in New York last night, and he was blown away. He told me to tell you that the performance is Oscar worthy in his opinion oh, wow. and that you were phenomenal yeah. um, wow. and well done. And he wanted to pass along his congratulations and tell you hello. So that's Clint James. Thank you. Um, yeah. I remember Clint. He's a good, he's a good man. Thank really? you. Yeah. Really like yeah. And he said the same about you, uh, spoke very highly of you, but wanted to definitely pass along his message. He was blown away by the performance, man. Oscar worthy. He says, so yeah, we would love to see it. Awesome. Well, then I will make sure that I uh, 
I'll have Lisa send you guys this, uh, the link and the password. Awesome, appreciate that, man. So yeah, let's no get problem. started. Let's let's talk a little bit about your 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 beginning in the acting and how you got started in New Mexico. Right, you were born in New Mexico, right? I was actually born in Colorado, but lived raised, in New Mexico. But raised in New Mexico. Right, yeah, my go. dad was a jockey racehorse trainer, and uh, I was raised on the racetrack. I thought I was going to grow up and be a jockey, yeah. but I got too tall, so <laughs> life happened, and I decided to gamble my life another way, which was by becoming an actor, and it was one of those things that I had you know, discovered in third grade doing this little school play, but it really wasn't until high school when I um, fully like fell in love with it, and I started to, to see that I had a place to express myself and be heard and be seen, and you know given what I, I share in the piece radioactive, I think you get an idea of, of why that was because my entire life, as I mentioned, I have been pretending to be somebody else. And so it was a survival skill that became part of my natural way of, um, moving through the world. And, uh, when I was getting ready to graduate, there was only, the one thing that I could think about was storytelling. Right now, mind you, I, I honestly went to conservatory for acting because at that moment in time, I wanted to be an FBI agent. <laughs> okay. And I wanted to be a spy. I wanted to go undercover. And that's, in that's my epic, like, yeah. crazy little world, <laughs> I thought, okay, I have to have a degree to get accepted into the academy. I will go to school to get a degree in acting and be the best spy that's ever existed. That's like, so awesome. awesome. That, Dude, so like, awesome. that was literally my game plan. Oh, my goodness. Somebody <laughs> should write a movie about that. That is right? a great right? game plan. Yeah, and then uh, and then of course college happened, and you know some drugs and some drinking and debauchery, and that kind of flew out the window. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> well, I, that's you how know, I got started. So let, let's talk about that a little bit because uh, you, you know I, I think it is important because I think after reading that and and listening to you talk, th- there's a lot of people out there that might be going through a similar situation. And I think your willingness to open up and talk about it, not just with the film that we're going to be talking about in a little bit, but like in radioactive and talking about the, the upbringing um, is important. And, and I think a huge help to people that may be going through something similar. Um, You kind of talk about how acting became a way for you to basically escape and, or be somebody you thought people wanted you to be. Um, and, and, and to be for all of our listeners out there that, that don't know, um, you, you are a gay man and you had a hard time early on with that, um, finding acceptance. You, you, you had to go through some bullying and, um, wasn't always easy for you young. And so that's what we're talking about when we say that you, you kind of found acting, acting as an escape to maybe kind of to, to be something or, or a way to be something you thought that people wanted you to be. And, um, I like how you kind of identified it as the struggle was so intense to me uh, that forced yourself into relationships with women, forced yourself to have sex with women or do the things because you felt like that's what people needed you to be or what you had to be. And, um, let's talk about that a little bit because I, I, like I said, I just think there are probably so many people out there that could, that could learn from and, or, or take something from 
your your ability to share and kind of talk about how you were able to work through that. You mentioned the drugs and the alcohol and the tough time that you had kind of, you know, spiraling, spiraling down that path. So let's talk about yeah. that a little bit and how you got out of it. Yeah. So for me, um, you know, I grew up surrounded by very masculine uh, role models. My dad, like I said, was a jockey racehorse trainer. He's like the epitome of the marble man. Right. Very quiet, quiet, silent type. So I had that as as a figure. And then I had my brother who was an all-state linebacker. And it was one of those things that I was always overtly sensitive. And I was very compassionate towards other people to a point where it I was always made fun of and they were like, you're way too sensitive, man up, man up. And as I started to go through my adolescence, you know, people were recognizing things about me that I, I didn't know or wasn't aware of, like my homosexuality that I had no idea. Cause here I was just this innocent little boy who is just being his authentic self. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the world kept telling me there's no, there's something wrong with you. Stop acting like that. Stop crying. Stop Mm -hmm. being such a pussy. Stop being a little faggot. And as I grew up and went through my teens, that became more and more violent to the point where it was a near daily occurrence in middle school. Mm -hmm. I was also going home and my brother and I had a tumultuous relationship. He was seven years older than me. And, you know, it became very violent at times because in his mind at that time, the only way that he knew to help me from the way he had been taught as a boy was to toughen me up mm. by, by beating me up. Right. And he always, he always said like, we're cool now. We've made amends. It's all good. But in that moment, like he said, he was like, I didn't know how else to help you. I just wanted you to fight back. And, you know, as, as that got more and more intense, um, and I struggled more and more to hang on to any sense of self, I decided it was best if I just erased myself. And so I started adopting hetero norms, you know, and I started expressing myself as a quote unquote man should express I learned how to lower my voice. I had a really high-pitched voice. And so I trained my voice to be lower. I started moving and running like the other boys. I started dressing more, you know, as the other kids would dress just so I could be accepted. And then because I had all these girls around me who were constantly, you know, feeling safe and whatever, I just went to dating them because it was easier for me to blend in in a world where – I, I had no other choice. Right. And, uh, you know, it got so bad because I couldn't understand what was happening in my mind that I, deep depression, anxiety, um, attempted a couple times on my life. Um, mm. One of which my parents, God bless them, you know, followed me to a highway where I tried to jump out into oncoming traffic in the middle of winter. And, you know, they stopped me from doing that. And so, that skill as an actor, that ability to blend and hide it as I think I became as skilled as I am because it was my way of surviving. Mm. And by the time I got to college, you know, here was, I went to college on the East coast at the heart school. Um, I was surrounded by the sea of like all kinds of different people, black, white, Jewish, gay, straight, non-binary, 
whatever. And like my little mind was like, I'm still not safe here. So I fought against myself. And that was where I created this fake, even further fake world and started consuming drugs and alcohol because it was the pain was so real and I didn't know what to do with it. Right. Right. And, uh, it really wasn't until a boy kissed me my sophomore year that I came face to face with it. And then I lost it and I freaked out and I was living this dual life to where I would be one person around my friends at school and then present something else to my family. And it got so bad to the point where by the time I was living in New York and that's its own separate book. And tale. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I was addicted to cocaine. I was constantly um, dealing with some sort of substance in my system. And I crashed and burned mm. because, you know, as a 23-year-old who is still not comfortable with his authentic self – I was butting up against my edge, right? And something had to give. And as I've learned, pain pushes you until a vision pulls you. Mm -hmm. And it was in that moment when I hit rock bottom that I called my mom and I told her outside of a subway in Queens. And I said, you know, I'm gay. And my mom, God bless her, was like, oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, you know, I, I know you may know, but it's different to say it out loud to acknowledge right. who I authentically am. Right. And then when it came time to tell my dad, like that was the moment when I was shit bricks because I was like, <laughs> I I don't know what to do. This is like my hero. This is the guy who saved me at a time when I was at my lowest. And right. here I am again. And my dad, when I told him, you know, I set it up with this whole big description of like, what I'm about to tell you doesn't change anything about who I am, blah, blah, blah. And I, I say, I'm gay. And my dad's silent. And I'm, and it felt like eternity. Mm. And he goes, you know, your mother and I love you. And now that you told me you can do whatever you want. Wow. Cause you're free. And that was a moment for me where I literally said out loud, to the universe, God, whatever you want to describe it. And I said, I, thank you. Thank you. I am so lucky because both of my parents are like in my corner. And my dad was like, you know, I always thought you were one of those artistic kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, dad, I am. <laughs> like, you know, and he's like, I just thought you were whatever. Cause, and then I'd ask your mom and your mom would be like, no. And I'd be like, maybe. <laughs> and you know, so it's, I'm very fortunate in that regard. So, um, when it came time to, uh, step into the shoes of crystal for heart baby, um, that was when I, and I had done a lot of therapy, a lot of soul searching, a lot of healing. And I had no idea that that, that piece of me that I had erased, I would have to come up against because crystal demanded me to step into that femininity that I had, I had decided a long time ago was dangerous. Right. Yeah. yeah there's, a, pain. there's a brilliant line there that, that, that you say, uh, it, and, and I'm paraphrasing and forgive me. Uh, I hope it's, it, it's close where you, you say that crystal helped you find Sean and, and, and you were okay with being 
finally being Sean because of what you learned by being Crystal. And and we're and we're going to talk about that because it, it's a it's a brilliant story. But a couple of things that that really stuck out to me there is that it's the stigma of and, and in the context of what you were saying the norm how many times right. that it's referred to that act normal or you're not right. being normal as if you, you know the the stigma that people put on it is if you are somehow acting in a way that they don't perceive to be the way they want you to be you're not normal and Correct. and and you know to me that the just the idea of that is is ridiculous and and to well, be able you to guys i'm sure know as the men who are in the room and women, you, the women who are there, you may know this, but when it comes to growing up as a man in America, there are very few um, things that are outside of a very toxic masculine um, figure to look at. Like right. we have these Marvel superheroes now, and we look at these bodies that are unachievable for the average man. We have these ways of moving through the world as a man that our media gives us. And if we don't match up to that, there's something wrong with us, whether we're gay or straight or anything in between. It's like, we're not attractive enough. We're not good enough. And the alpha mentality that exists within the male community, I'm sure you guys can speak about it. It's, it's it's horrible absolutely because if you are remotely anything sensitive oh god bless you you're screwed right if you're if you're not physically like fit and like powerful nobody's gonna love you right yeah I, you know I, thank you for for bringing that side of it up because i i think that that you're you're so correct in in that it isn't just gender or or orientation or you're right that th- this is a society that is dictated by the way you look the way you walk the way you talk and if it's not perceived the way somebody wants it to be you're right you're you're set aside like you're not normal you can't be this you can't be that and I'm glad that you brought it up because it isn't just one of this or one of that it's 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 that way towards so many groups and yes, and, the and whole system is archaic exactly it's like, archaic is a perfect <laughs> word for it um, it's bullshit it was built by a bunch of white men back in the day who you know were living in a very small limited paradigm and now we understand that human expression is far more reaching than we ever could have defined it as back in the day because there was no possibility of anything but this and that women act this way they're subordinate you do this you do that men you do this you own land you rape and pillage and it's like that is the way it is yep and it's 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 so i'm bored i don't know about you guys but (laughs) i'm i'm bored yeah yeah (laughs) it's been done a few times right it it, and and man First of all, thank you so much for sharing. Um, and I, I know it's it, it's it's tough to even go back there and, and talk about you, you know the the past and the history. But and God bless your parents. I think they're wonderful yeah. human beings, and 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 the way that they were able to 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 be there for you and to do the things and and we're glad you know you, that the attempts weren't successful. I'm glad that you were able to to work yourself out of that. And and I think that your bravery. Uh, in talking about it is is going to help a lot of people, and so I uh, much respect uh, for you for, you for being able. I do to... want to say something real quick. Um, you know when it when it comes to what I've done and and why I'm sharing 
this part about my life. It's because the trans community, um, the, my trans brothers and sisters, their experience is so marginalized mm. that very few people, especially cisgender people, people who identify with the sex that they are assigned right. when they're born, they have no concept of how difficult it is for a trans person to just be themselves, right? to just express the way that they need to express. And so for me, going back there is, is no big deal. I appreciate it. They live this life and those are the individuals I really want to focus on because and, like my experience fails in comparison. So let's, let's talk about that. That's a good transition. Let's get into the movie heart baby and talk about crystal. Um, and let, let's set it up a little bit by telling people a little bit about what the movie's about. It's a true story. It's based on a true story. Um, mm-hmm. so let, let's go into that a little bit and kind of give a little description as to what the movie's about for our listeners. Okay. Yeah, so Heart Baby is a true story of a African-American prison boxer by the name of George Lee Martin, who turned down his opportunity for freedom and Olympic gold to stay in prison to protect the one thing he couldn't live without, which was his transgender evangelical uh, cellmate, Crystal. And it was a story that was a moment in history that was witnessed by a little over 300 people um, in Nashville, Tennessee in the early 80s. The film spans the course of three decades, the 70s to the 90s, and it focuses on the the relationship between Doc and George, who were best friends, and uh, their interaction with Crystal, who was, as I said, George's cellmate and secret lover for seven years. Wow. Wow. What a what an yeah. incredible story and to, for it to be true and there's there's so many stories like that that are so incredible and moving and then they it's so great that they're being able to be told and understood from a real like human honest perspective. Yeah, I mean it's when I read the script for the first time, I was literally like, "Wait. No way. There's no way that you this could be real." And then when I talked to the real doc and he was corroborating things and we did our research and we asked people who had been in prison with them we found out yeah this whole thing is 100 percent real and angela shelton the writer director i think did a remarkable job in being able to um communicate and and formulate the story in a very digestible way because it's so immense mm. and it's so complex right that um you know, it's very easy to get lost in the semantics of it. Right. And, and I love the story because you were initially brought on as a producer, correct? You you read correct. the script and you came on as a producer and started going through the casting process and, and ended up getting the role because of a lack of people that actually submitted for the role of Crystal. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit, about how it yeah. came about to actually portray Crystal and, and, and how that kind of happened for you. So when Angela approached me in summer of 2015 with the script for Heart Baby, um, I kind of went in blind. I read it, bawled my eyes out, read it two more times, and then was like, okay, so what do you need? How do we make this happen? And she was like, I would love for you to produce it with me. So I just started opening my Rolodex and started calling people. We were fortunate enough to get John Jackson, who is Alexander Payne's casting director, Mm. um, to come on board and help us. And one of the, the things that we asked was for him to search the country for a trans actress to play the role of Crystal because 
you know, for me, it's all about representation, right? And right. I knew that we had it to do a service to the community. Um, after a month-long search, there was only 10 actresses submitted. Of the 10, eight were African-American. And the two left, um, only one kind of matched crystal specs, but she couldn't portray her essence. And so that was when Angela was like, you know, I think you should do a makeup test because you can do that. I've seen your work as an actor. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that, y'all, because that's like me skirting into a very tricky territory. Right, right. Um, so I obviously I did it. And um, Doc, the real Doc, who knew Crystal, he saw a picture and he, he cried and he was like, he looks like her. Like, wow. I don't know. I don't know how you guys did that. So that was when I said, okay, well, look, if I'm going to do this, I have to live as a trans woman. Like I have to go method for this because there's no other way for me to understand that experience other than to live it. Right. So I started working with Larry Moss who coached Hillary Swank for boys. Don't cry million dollar baby. Mm -hmm. He's worked with a lot of actors. Um, and we spent close to 20 hours together and it was with him that I discovered Crystal's voice. I started doing um, feminine feminization vocal techniques that trans women use. Mm -hmm. um, two hours a day, I grew my hair and nails for six months. I started going down this dark and crazy rabbit hole, and it was almost instantaneous that I started to experience um, what I believe is... The, the norm for trans people, the, you know, when you don't fit into those, what we were talking about earlier, those norms of what a man should be and look like and express like, right. You get pushed back almost instantaneously. And I started very quickly hiding what I was doing. I was very ashamed and I was like, Whoa, this is, this must be what it's, what it's like. This is weird that I'm already feeling this kind of, loathing and this need to hide because it's not safe right. and I was constantly on edge so by the time we got to New Orleans and I had fully quote-unquote transitioned um, into crystal and got the hair extensions eyelash extensions I cosmetically shifted my face um, I did it all I learned how to walk with Miss New York in heels I I, I feminized myself so much so that my day-to-day -day expression, Sean was fading away and there was just Crystal. Mm. And after our final makeup test, um, when I walked out of the trailer, I got catcalled by my own crew. Right. And I was like, whoa, this, this, is, <laughs> this is a trip because yeah. I have never experienced that before. Right. Um, and, I, and I was passing. And for those who don't know what that means, everyone thought that I was just a woman. Right. Right. And like you not said that, trans, just a woman. Mm -hmm. And um And then they recognized or or they realized who you were, right? Because that that's a great yeah, part of the story too. Very quickly. And yeah. they were like, Oh I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And so here I was like already dealing with this objectification and this degradation that quickly became my daily experience um it got so bad to the point that that night when we went out i was physically this 
big guy grabbed my ass and, you know, was, was staring at me. And I was, I was thinking to myself, Oh shit. Like he's clocking me. He can see, he can see that I'm not who I'm presenting myself to be. And that was another moment of like, Oh God, like just going out and trying to date as a trans woman or a trans man, like how difficult that must be just daily interactions. And you know, I realized right then I was like, this is the fem- the female experience. Right. This is a woman's experience, all women's experience, this kind of thing that you're somebody's property, that they can just touch you whenever they want, that there's no repercussions for that. And I was like, in that moment, I was so scared because I was like, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm so not used to this that I don't know how to proceed. And for me, I imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, ladies, like you become numb, right? Like, yeah, because you, yeah, you, you kind of, um, you kind of learn to be really defensive and, and, and you think about scenarios as, as how they could be harmful. Like that, I think that men, it never occurs to them. Like, you know, um, if I'm at my house and I have to have somebody come to the house, you know, to, to fix something like that's scary for me. And I don't think a lot of men think about that. Like to me, all these thoughts run through my mind, like, you know, should I have someone be here? Should I have someone like call and check up on me? Like, what if he's not who he say- says he is or realizes I'm home alone and decides to do something, you know, and I have to like reassure myself that, okay, I have my dog here. I have my pistol here. I don't think men have to deal with that. And there's all these different no. scenarios that, so that's, that's incredibly eye opening and powerful for you as a perspective to know and to really understand. Cause I don't, I don't think a lot of people do get it until you really are faced with it as you are in that situation. Yeah. I think men, men will never really understand until they take uh, a second to actually put themselves in a woman's shoes. Because when I left that night and I was outside, there was these two drunk guys going off of just what you said. Like I'm waiting for an Uber. Right. And mind you, there was nothing sexual about how I was dressed. I was just a very pretty Southern belle. Right. And these two drunk guys asked me if I was looking for company for the evening. Um, yeah. And I said no. And it was like instant. It, the turn happened instant. Mm-hmm. And I was, a, I was a fucking bitch and I was a whore. Yeah. And what was my problem? And then they started following me and I was like, oh, Jesus. If they discover that I'm trans right now, right. this is going to be even more exponentially dangerous than just how it is right now. They could have raped me. They could have killed me. It could have gone south so quickly. And thank God my Uber arrived. That poor man. I I jumped in the car and I was like (laughs) crying and like snot all over me. You know, and and he's like, where are we going? And I'm like, just the Bourbon Street, because that's where I was living, which was insane in itself. Oh, yeah. 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 I can imagine. Oh, but um. Yeah, the whole experience definitely shook me to my core, and Sadly, it wasn't until I started getting stalked um, that I I realized how um, how isolated. Yeah, um, I'm glad you that you you bring up though the the danger in it or the potential danger in it, um, because it, it makes day. me think it <laughs> makes me think of a uh, a story here. That happened here where um, there was a a transgender woman who 
did go out and she she was on a date she was on a date with a serviceman um had a lovely time did, did doing the thing you know like couples do and, and and are having a good time and apparently i guess when they went back to the hotel and and the guy did realize that it was a transgender woman or i mean he ended up killing her like you said and and i can only imagine the fear that to have to live every day to know that that might be a possibility because you're living the way you feel you need to live or comfortable with how you are and who you are that's got to be crazy because normal day life for people you don't wake up and think you might die because you want to be who you are that i can't even imagine the thought process in that and sadly i'm not surprised that you were treated that way that they acted that way that that's very common that if you're hit on by a man as a woman and you're not and you don't you're just not interested even if you're polite about it and you say no no thanks just doing my thing that it you're right it changes in an instant and that's another perspective for me that I've never experienced as a woman of, of, of as a trans woman that to know that there's another level of danger to that, that, that could, and you know, incite even more like, you know, rage for no reason. It's crazy. No offense. I don't know if, if anybody is any ethnicity other than white, um, who's there in the room with you all, but that's another perspective. It goes even deeper. So if you are, a trans woman of color. Mm. Right. It's even worse because within those communities, there's an even deeper sense of rage and violence that, that comes up because there is such a, a judgment and a disgust. I mean, 27 trans women here in America have been killed so far this year. Right. Wow. Most of them are trans women of color. As was the, as was this one that I brought up to you. Um, yeah, so, yeah. That's... I mean, it's 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 an epidemic with how we are raising our kids. Agreed. Honestly, yeah. That's Agreed. it. I mean, like we are raising our little boys to view women as property, and that if they don't abide or act the way that we want them to act, that we are going to make them. And women are taught, like from a very early age, you look pretty. You smile, you submit, you do this thing, you always have a gun around, you, you make sure that you're taken care of. So it's your fault if you haven't prepared accordingly. And right. it's like, what, what, what is that? Right. <laughs> right. What is that? That's not a society where people are created equal. Mm-hmm. That's a society that is, it's only for a select few. Yeah. Exactly, and and I, I, can, I can only imagine. Let, let's talk about about Crystal in the movie uh, a little bit more, and because her story was just insane to me as well. That I mean, you basically framed by her own family and sent to prison Correct. because of who she was. Um, and and now now I'm not familiar with 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 the story. What was it known that that I mean, what it had to have been just absolute craziness in prison. <laughs> to to be who crystal and 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 then to be in a relationship i mean was it, explain that a little bit about what that yeah. relationship must have been like in prison and knowing that she was basically as you said and i love i love your terminology erased by her biological family um she she literally was she literally was so crystal was born in the 60s um, to a very wealthy family in Nashville, Tennessee. Her mother and her two brothers are still alive. Um, this family is a $14.8 billion family, mm. super born-again evangelical Christians who obviously 
had no concept of what to do with this child that wasn't bending to their wishes, right? And right. so they sent Crystal to uh, military school, reform school, conversion therapy, all of which she didn't change who she was. She was this remarkable human who was like, I'm a child of God and I was made perfect. And so to think about somebody existing that way in a time and place where the word transgender didn't even exist yet and who is showing up in the world being like, this is who I am. Mind you, she struggled. She was, you know, abusing substances and whatever, but it got so bad (laughs) to the point where she wouldn't do what they wanted her to do that they started paying her to act like a boy. Right. Yeah. And then when she wouldn't even do that, that was when they created fake drug charges. She got busted with four kilos of cocaine in the back of her dad's car. Oh, wow. Um, was sentenced to 50 years to life. Mm. Um, when Timothy went into prison, that's Crystal's dead name. Timothy, um, there was a death certificate that was issued. Timothy died. Right. And Donnie Webb was created. Donnie was the name in which she was protected under so that the family wouldn't be embarrassed so that nobody knew anything about the situation. So because she was so rich and because she still was a white person of privilege, the rules were very different for her. So even as a trans woman who walked into prison in Tennessee in the 70s, she knew that her money and her access, she could still control the situation. So she was paying guards off. She was getting wow. makeup flown in from New York, fashion. I mean, she was she was living, ironically, her best life inside the confines of prison wow. walls. Damn. So here is this being, right, who walks in and everyone's like, and Doc and George will tell you, when she walked in, they were like, who let the woman in here? Why is there a woman in here? <laughs> everyone, everyone was so confused because she was just full blown lady. Right. And, um, you know, from what I've learned from them, you know, her world was so every day was a dangerous experience and she got so fierce and so, um, cold and protective that she could quote the Bible left and right and like shut people down. Wow. I mean, she was eviscerating people and that's why doc hated her so much because she was a better Christian than he was. <laughs> she was, she knew God better than he did and he, he couldn't handle that. Right. And I mean, doc even told me this story about like him coming into George and Crystal's cell and there she was, you know, duct taping her genitalia away because she hated it so much. Wow. You know, it's like to think that that is this person's experience. Yeah. That they are so not in the correct body that they are willing to do that to feel a sense of how they feel they should look. You know, that's it's a pretty, pretty strong person. And also to have her connection to faith despite all this. Absolutely. Like, that's like something in the trans experience that I don't think we've necessarily seen yet mm-hmm. is seeing somebody who really knows that God created her perfectly the way she was and took care of everyone in prison who was like her. Yeah, you're who right. Who was on the outside. 
which again is is why this movie is important and why this this story needs to be told you're right it isn't something that people have seen before it isn't something that people have heard of or can identify with and and it's time this story needs to be told and, and i'm so glad that 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 yourself and, and the people involved in this project know that and, and and made this movie happen and are bringing this story to the to to the public Seriously. because Thank you. My goal with this project and with playing Crystal, um, my goal is really is, is for her to be remembered. Right. Because her family, like I said, literally erased her. The only people who knew her were her inmates and friends in prison. And obviously you can tell I get really emotional about it, but it's one of those things that um, I just want her to be known and to be seen because the only thing that has survived of the real crystal is a recording of her singing with her friend in prison. Mm. And it's featured in the movie twice. And so when you hear it, that's the real crystal. That's her voice. And that's all that's left. There's no photos. There's no nothing. Right. Uh And so, yeah, I wanted I wanted to say that's what that's what I was I was hesitant because I didn't want to do spoilers for the film, but she did pass away in prison, correct? Correct. She died of AIDS in 1993 mm-hmm. from um, drug use. Mm. She had always been monogamous to George, um, but yeah, it was sharing her needles and sharing her drugs that led to her contracting HIV and then eventually AIDS. Mm. Wow. So uh, it's just. <sighs> Wow, what a people gripping, need to see this film. Yeah, they need yeah. to see this film. Yeah. This is a, an overwhelmingly compelling and important story and with a unfortunately a tragic ending and uh, an ending that that didn't well, have to is, be. I have to say this. There's one of the most beautiful moments um, that is really uplifting so as tragic as it is, there is a moment at the end of this movie that literally people they cry because of the pure joy of it. Good. And That's good. And that's where I say there is this ray of hope, this ray of sunshine, because um, even though our correctional facilities and the system is so broken, there is still the possibility for healing and for um, the evolution of a human being. And we highlight that at the end of the movie. And it's truly like a moment where you're like, wait, what? (laughs) You know, um something that stuck out to me with this interview and one of the things I really love about doing these interviews and this podcast is that there's a lot of things that like a lot of themes and ideas that are kind of that kind of get repeated you know unintentionally by all of our guests and one of the things that we just talked about last week with another actress Lucy Pohl is that being in this industry can help you find yourself, can help you deal with the things that you, like you said, that you have pushed down inside yourself that you refuse to come up with or that you tried to run away from and you're forced to confront it and accept it and then own it. And so I think it's really powerful that this has, is it has the ability to help other people do it who just are watching it, but has also helped you as part of the experience and making it do that for yourself, even more so than you had already done at that point, you know, until that point. So I think that's really cool. I, I really enjoyed hearing about that. Oh, thanks. I mean, it's it's one of those things, right? Like, <laughs> from a total like ego place, I was like, "Oh, I'm good. I'm healthy. I'm yeah. totally fine. There's nothing wrong with me anymore." Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then this role comes along, and it's like, "Oh no, no, honey, oh. child, yeah. you've got a lot to learn. Right. You still haven't dealt with this shit." And that's honestly been the best gift. This crystal gave me myself. 
Yeah. And that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And you know, I I love that you refer to yourself as a storyteller because I I think that art is a story that, that needs to be, this needs to be, and and I, we, another theme we hear, you know, week in and week out is, is that if you can just touch one person with your art, then, then you're doing something that matters. Exactly. And 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 if even if it's just for one person that that you can touch, and I, I have a strong feeling that this is is gonna help and touch on on a on just a grand level. And and I can share with you real quick that last night I published Radioactive to my website and started sharing it. Right. And within like 20 minutes, I got an email from this woman who has a trans son. And she said, I just want to thank you for what you've done and for telling the story and, and, and sharing what you wrote in Radioactive because I never realized that my son was dealing with the level in which he's dealing with this stuff. Right. I mean, he dresses up as a girl just to go to work because it's easier. Wow. And she was like, I know that there are things that he isn't telling me because he's afraid that I'm going to going to cry or whatever. And, and so like what going off of what you just said, that's, that's the only reason why I do it is so that, you know, there is an awakening hopefully for somebody who is in a limited belief system. And in the same token, maybe it saves one trans life. If that's all I do, if I save one trans person, I did my job. Yep. You know? Yep. That's it. Wow. That's it. So, so much, so much respect. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And, and, and listen, man, we appreciate you coming on and opening up and, and sharing not only your story, but like you said, the struggle for so many transgender individuals out there that, that go through this on a daily basis. And, um, this is a subject that needs to be talked about and open dialogue is how acceptance is going to happen. Finally, we need to talk about it. We need to have people listen and hear and, and realize what's going on in this world. And, and it's people like you that, that are going to make that happen. So honestly, thank thank you. Thank you. And thank you for your kind words and for having me. I'm so, so grateful. Um, I think going off of what you just said, like that's the only way that we're going to get through this. Absolutely. Uh, as Agreed. human beings on the same little blue marble that's floating in space. That's right. The only way this is going to work, and especially in this country, is we have to start talking to each other and really talking to each other and not villainizing the other side, wherever yep. side you stand, and sitting down and going, okay, hey, so tell me about your experience. Tell me about why you why you feel that way and holding the space even when you don't want to, even when you want to like throw a table, Yeah, <laughs> like well said. really sitting there and trying to understand and find empathy for another person's experience. Because yep. at the end of the day, we all want love and we all want to live a really happy life. Some of us are just a little more lost than others. Exactly. You can't you can't end it any better than that. I, yeah. I think I think that that's perfectly said. I'm um, so excited to see this. Like I really I can't honestly I cannot I'll get wait you to guys see this it. Link and please like let me know all of your thoughts and you know sit down with your families or whoever. Absolutely. Stream it on your Apple TVs. 
do whatever and and please enjoy. Oh, we enjoy. absolutely will. You know, I saw I, we follow you, and we're going to tell everybody where to follow you and everything. And a little uh, interesting uh, tidbit that I thought was interesting, and maybe we can share. Hopefully, uh, we'll edit this out if you say no. But uh, <laughs> is it true that uh, Shailene Woodley makes an appearance in this film? So, <laughs> so um, my two best friends are. Or Celine and Isadora Gerester. Isadora is on Shameless. Uh-huh. She plays Fetlana. And so oh, wow. they came down um, to support me as their friend and they played extras in the film. Oh, cool. And That's so they, what's awesome is they, as women, were dressed as men and played men. Oh, <laughs> so cool. They are hidden in um, a scene. You can see them very clearly. Um, and hopefully, you'll. it's a fun little Easter egg. For you, you all to, to keep an eye out for because so epic. they were remarkable and it was it was weird for me because I was looking at my best friends and I was like where where did you guys go they, <laughs> they were dudes yeah <laughs> and so it was it's a really cool fun little little hidden gem absolutely oh man listen Sean thank you so much again for Seriously. taking the time on this on this holiday weekend and, and thank and, you you know for for talking to us and open invite. Anytime. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Open invite. You come back and talk about whatever you want to talk about, any projects you're working on, or if you just want to come shoot the shit with us. You know, you, you, <laughs> dude, man, you, you, I would, anytime I would you honored. want to, man. I would be honored. And if you guys need anything else from me on my end, please just let me know. We will absolutely do it. Listen, man, you have a blessed Thanksgiving. Um, and Happy to Turkey you, Day, man. all. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, we'll be in touch soon, man. All right, sounds good. Thank you all. Have uh-huh. a good one. Thank you too. You. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye.